0: as we resume season one of MySpace with Malcolm. We took a little bit of a break to work on a few things, but we're excited to resume that season today. This week's guest has known me for a long time, since I was a teenager. But for me, it's been a joy to watch her as she's become a wife, a mother, and as she's found her voice as a systems and self-care specialist. She's the founder and owner of 31 Marketplace, host of the Boss Talk podcast, and her new book, The Boss Shift, is out right now. So join me as we listen to this interview with LaVista Jones. Well, welcome everybody to MySpace with Malcolm. I'm excited to have with us systems and self-care strategist, LaVista Jones. Thank you LaVista for joining us today.
1: I'm excited to be here, Malcolm.
0: Yes, yes. So, La Vista has known me for a long time. Um, when I was a young whippersnapper, still trying to figure <laughs> out the world. And now she knows me as an adult who's still trying to figure out the world.
1: <laughs> yes, yes.
0: So, we're going to talk about a lot of things today, but um, you are the owner and founder of 31 Marketplace. Uh, Mm -hmm. Host of the Boss Talk Podcast. And your new book, The Boss Shift, is out right now. So we're going to talk about a little bit of all of that, but we're going to start from the beginning. Where did the journey start from you? You're an Ohio girl, right?
1: I am born and raised Ohio. Yes, I am an Ohio girl all of my days. Yes. Mm
0: -hmm. And now you're in Arizona.
1: Yes, yes, I am um, in Arizona. I have been here, Malcolm, for 13 years. Wow. Um, you know, and it's crazy as like a kid growing up, you know, in my hometown, like I never wanted to leave Mm -hmm. like my hometown, like ever. Um, I always just assumed like I would grow up, like graduate high school, get married and have babies, right? (laughs) Like right there, like in my, my, my town, but, um, never in a million years that I think that I'd be like 2000 miles away from the place that is my home um the place that helped to shape me and have been gone for so long
0: wow yeah that's i you know i've been living in ohio now for over oh gosh the math now is i think it's been close to 15 or 16 years and so people Mm -hmm. always ask me so you're not from ohio i was like no so i name all the places i'm from so where's home and i was like it should be ohio right but i feel like all of my formative years were somewhere else so ohio still Mm. feels a little foreign to me i guess i don't know
1: Yeah, I still refer to Ohio as home. Uh So, you know, I'll be traveling and I'm like, oh, I'm getting ready to go home. Right. And people know that I'm talking about coming back to Ohio. Um, and when I am coming to the desert, even though I have been here for over a decade, Uh I'm like, okay, now it's time for me to go back to the desert. So um it is home for me now. Like, you know, my my family is here, Uh but Ohio, it that will always like those are my roots. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Always home. So we know you now as an entrepreneur, but you had a pretty successful corporate life as well. Um, I did. Can you tell us a little bit about your corporate experience and um, where you started?
1: Yeah, you know, I actually already had my business um, before... I went into corporate. It was actually the second time I had gone back right. into corporate America. It was 2008 when the economy, you know, was uh, in a decline and I got headhunted mm-hmm. to come in um, to help the bank put some systems and some structure in place to help the Many clients, right, that they had at that point that were dealing with, like, I don't know what to do with my house. I can't afford this mortgage kind of a thing and needing to put some structure in place. Like, hey, here are these processes. Here's what we need to do. Here's how we need to interpret, you know, what's going on with the Fed regulations mm-hmm. and da 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 and actually make it happen. And honestly, you know, it was only supposed to be like a four month gig, you know, a temporary like come in, get this like set up and then go ahead and leave. Mm-hmm. And that four months turned into seven years and a transfer wow. from Ohio to Arizona.
0: <laughs> wow.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so I went from, uh, like I said, like a part t- not a part-time, but as a uh, contractor mm-hmm. to actually an assistant vice president within the company. Wow.
0: That's a, I mean, that's quite the jump. I mean, it's very rare to <laughs> see somebody go from, usually if you're a contractor, there's a, there's definitely a cap on where you're going from there.
1: Yeah. 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 Well, you know, it was one of those things where. um And not not in an arrogant kind of way, but Mm. like what I do, I do well. Um, And I think that it, um, that conveys to those that like I work with and that I work for. And so that just kind of propelled me into places that I didn't necessarily see myself going, but Mm. when opportunity. Presented themselves. It was like, okay, yeah, I can do that. Yeah. Like, yeah, I can do that too. Um, and that position actually, it didn't even exist. Wow. Um, it was actually literally created for me around the skill set that I brought to the table yeah. um, with that title of AVP. Wow.
0: So, in your book, I think I believe every chapter is accompanied with a section. Er, there's a section in every chapter that says embracing the shift. So, what was the shift mm-hmm. for you? What was the moment? that made you really kind of pivot um, from the corporate world into focusing more on your entrepreneurial exploits?
1: Yeah. um, For me, it was actually experiencing burnout Mm -hmm. um, in a really major way. And so in the book, I kind of talk about that relationship that I had with work. Uh, You know, you're married, right? But you've seen Mm -hmm. like those like Facebook where it's just like, you know, what's your status? She's single, you're married, it's right. complicated. And so I to say that at that particular point in time, my relationship with work was complicated yeah. because the work I loved, I loved doing it. I loved the people that I worked with. I loved the execution of the work. I loved all the traveling. Like I really loved kind of everything about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the complicated part was that I had really terrible boundaries yeah. um, in self-care practice. Mm-hmm. And so, you know a lot of things that I was doing, like not eating well, like not sleeping, like literally like working all night, like multiple nights, like in a week, you know, uh, paired with like traveling all over the country. And so it's like one day I'd be in California, the next day I'd be in North Carolina. You know, I, I can remember even a time where like, my husband and I were coming home from Hawaii. I had a red eye coming in from Hawaii. We got to Phoenix around 7 a.m. And by 11 a.m. I was on another flight going to Atlanta to go to work. Wow. And so it was like, that was just kind of like the pace that I, I pushed myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and eventually, you know, ignoring those whispers that my body was giving me, like, you know, you're tired or you need to rest or you need this. And it's like, no, like I've got things I need to accomplish. I've got work that I need to do. Um And I ignored those little whispers for a really long time. Um, And eventually I kind of got hit with the cosmic two by four and my body is just like, "Mm, nope, (laughs) we're not doing this anymore. (laughs) We're not doing this anymore. And it was like, it was a progression. It was just like, I started off just kind of being really tired. And it's mm-hmm. just like, okay, I know how to deal with that. It's not resting. It's caffeine. Like, I need more mm-hmm. coffee. And I need, you know, like, I need to give myself some more, like, go-go, right? So I can, like, keep going and keep doing what I need to do. And then I started developing, like, this headache that wouldn't go away. So mm-hmm. no matter how much, like, aspirin or Tylenol I took, it was just, like, this nagging thing. But it was like, mm, and, you know, I'm still, I'm fine because I've got work I need to do. Mm-hmm. And then... um Things started to progress where like I was getting emotional at work. Wow. Um, you know, getting feedback from like a peer or like my boss, like, hey, let's represent this trend differently, like in this report. Like that's not malicious, you know, mm-hmm. feedback. But I would, like, walk away from those meetings and, like, start bawling, crying to the point where I would have to, like, go outside and, like, get myself together and kind of give myself, like, that pep talk from, like, Tom Hanks and, like, leave their own. Like, there is no crying in corporate America. Like, what is wrong with you? But I couldn't just like, why am I so emotional? Um, And then I started trying to negotiate with my husband, like, so... Uh, If you let me stay home today, (laughs) I promise I will go to work tomorrow. (laughs) And he's like, yeah, the way our mortgage is set up, you need to go to work every day. Like, Mm -hmm. what are you talking about? Because I couldn't explain to him what I was feeling, but I knew that like being in the environment wasn't helping me, right? It was making things feel worse. And then eventually... Uh, I was driving into the office. I was on the, the 202, which is a major highway here mm-hmm. in the Valley. And all of a sudden, you know, I found myself like my palms are sweating and my, my heart is racing out of my chest. Like my, my mind is racing. I'm crying uncontrollably. And I honestly don't remember how I got to my office. I just mm-hmm. remember getting there, parking. I was able to like navigate to my office and I like Made two phone calls. Like I called my husband and I'm like, so I'm coming home because I think I'm losing my mind. And then I remember calling a psychologist and mm-hmm. was like, I need to be seen today
0: mm-hmm.
1: because I think I'm losing my mind. And so really that first appointment, she was just like, So, um, you're stressed out and you're experiencing burnout. And I'm like, How, Sway? Like, I love my <laughs> job. And she's like, Lady, like, what is wrong with you, right? Like you were sitting here telling me, like, you know, like your lack of sleep and you're this, And I'm like, but that's that's what I needed to do to get the work done. Like, but I love it. Like, how could this be harmful to me? And I was just like, oh, like, maybe, just maybe I need to make a shift and do some things yeah. differently. Um, and that's when I decided to go back to work with clients privately yeah. instead of staying in corporate.
0: It's something that you said in your book that, that I also agree with, there's a saying that, that chafes at me every time I see this, is you, if you're doing what you love, you never work a day in your life. Uh, uh-huh. and, I, and you mentioned that in the book and I, every time I hear it, I cringe just a little bit I'm like, mm. but that's kind of the setup for us. Like, especially people that are doing what you love It's like, Oh, I love it. So I'll just push myself as hard as I can to get mm-hmm. this done, to, to get to that next level. Um, did you have, do you have that same reaction where you hear that? when you hear that saying, like you're just, it just chafes against the very fibers of your. <laughs> <laughs>
1: there, there's a lot of those things, uh-huh. right. Uh, where it's just like that, or like, you know, like hustle, uh, mm-hmm. you know, grind, you know, grind it out or whatever. Because I think that as a society, especially on the entrepreneurial side of work, yeah. I think that we have been conditioned, mm-hmm. right. That if we work ourselves to exhaustion now, mm-hmm that somehow that's going to eventually translate into this life that we want. Um, And I've not actually found that to be true. Mm -hmm. Like I have seen those, you know, with professional careers and building businesses that are like working themselves literally into a grave. And it's just like, there's gotta be a better way Mm -hmm. to do this work again that we love but as the subtitle of the book says, without sacrificing yourself
0: to do it. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for you, obviously, that corporate job came with a lot of um, a lot of stress that that was that you were starting to feel and manifest not only in your body, but in your family. But how yeah. hard was it to, to make that step away, to take that step back from, you know, a, a, a what I assume was a pretty high paying job, a well paying job that had you in a good position? How hard was it to make that that choice for yourself?
1: Uh, it was, it was hard. <laughs> it was, it was very hard. Um, you know, it wasn't uh, a decision I, I took lightly or that I made on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, my husband saw the impact that the work was having on me. And again, you know, that's why I kind of keep going back to that. It was complicated because I think it would have been different if like every day I woke up and I'm like, Oh, I gotta go into this office. Like, yeah. I hate this effing job. Like, but it wasn't, that wasn't my story. Mm-hmm. Like I loved the work that I did. Um, again, like th- it was a position that was created just for me, yeah, like just with me in mind. Right. Um, so it was very hard to resign from that position. Um, and then I also found Malcolm that it was, it was actually hard to adjust to my new normal, mm. right. As an entrepreneur yeah. one, because I, I got a lot of or started taking a lot of identity from that position. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, I'm an AVP at this particular, you know, finance institution. And Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's a lot of weight that kind of comes with a position, you know, like that. Um, walking away from that position, I also walked away from 60% of our overall household income. Um, So that was a big, you know, adjustment to make. And it's just like, I knew that wasn't going to come overnight in the business. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's just like, I went from the breadwinner to like, I'm broke. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I am broke, broke. And, you know, so there was a lot of identity stuff that I had to work through as well and kind of figure out my new place in, um, the, the partnership, like with my, with my husband, um, as I started building the business. So mm-hmm. lots of adjustments there. Oh
0: yeah. So during this whole time, you are still doing, um, even while you were working full-time, you were also doing, um, you're seeing clients and working with clients on the side. Um, so I, no, you Mm-mm. were not. No, no. Okay. When
1: I got headhunted, I actually, um, shut down the business. Okay. Um, At that time, because it was like, I couldn't do both, Um, especially once I went beyond like that four month contract. Like at that point it was just like, oh, like this is a lot more involved than I thought. So then I needed to find new homes for the clients that I was working with because it was like, I can't divide my time this way. And then I was kind of all in on the corporate side. So it wasn't until I actually resigned Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) and it kind of went like this. Like I walked in, I resigned. Um, and it's just kind of the the way at most financial institutions are like, okay, like I'll give you like my two weeks, and they're like, well, you can leave today. Oh, yep. mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, all right. And you know, <laughs> went home, uh, packed to go to Maui, went to Maui for a week, and came back with zero clients, and was like, all right, so I guess we're doing this now, right? Like, wow. let me go figure out how to pave my path
0: in the marketplace wow. now. And that takes us to market to thirty one marketplace. Um, yes, and I'm I in the in the book you break down how you got the name, but I love for you to explain mm-hmm. to the audience. I I love where this came from, by the way, but I don't want to yes? spoil it. I want to let you tell it. So, okay. where did All the right. name thirty one marketplace come from?
1: So, the name thirty one marketplace is actually um, my attempt to pay homage to the Proverbs thirty one woman mm-hmm. from the Bible. Yeah. Um, She is an example. I think that a lot of women, at least like women of like Christian faith, um, are familiar with, you know, that we um, often compare ourselves to a Mm -hmm. lot. And it's just like, oh, you know, she did this and she did that and she did this and she did that. Um, At least that's what scripture tells us. And, you know, okay, she did do those things. But I think that there is. One little piece in there that I think is often overlooked and it talks about her, um, getting food together for her maid servants. And it's just like, if you don't catch that you, you, you miss the part where she had help. Yeah she had help doing all of the things like she did a lot of amazing stuff, but she didn't do it all on her own. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I have, you know, a point of view that like vision is not a solo gig, you know, it shouldn't be for us. It wasn't for her. Right. So if we're going to use her as an example, let's use her as a full example in showing that she was able to actually delegate to get things done, to fulfill the vision that she had in the marketplace, you know, in her season of life. And so, um, it's, you know, paying homage to her and also going like that extra mile of saying, Hey, you as the visionary, not only, you know, do you want to bring like this vision forth, you also have to take care of the visionary, you know, yourself. Right. And so that is, you know, the, the full meaning behind the name 31 marketplace.
0: Yeah. I love that. I mean, we, we always, I think when we all, a lot of people, I'll say a lot of people think about strong black women. It's they're independent. They did it. They, you know, yeah. they they didn't need nobody. They didn't need no man. They didn't need no help. They did it themselves. And it's like, <laughs> whoa, this like flips that completely on its head of no, a strong woman knows when, knows the task that maybe she doesn't need to do, knows that knows when she needs help. That's a big theme, particularly in the beginning of the book, talking about mm-hmm. knowing uh, when you need help and being willing to accept, accept help. Um, without shame, without shame. Yes. We're going to talk about ball shame a little bit later that that part hit me pretty hard, ball shame. Um, (laughs) But so you talked about the vision for 31 marketplace, where it came from. Why was it important for you um, to be a resource, particularly for women? I know it's not, you're not, I wouldn't say exclusively, but that's your primary audience. And so Mm -hmm. why would you think that's important?
1: Um, that's interesting i i had uh um somebody asked me that at one of the the book signing tours and it was it was another guy right like why you know do you do that i'm like well you know i can only speak from like the perspective of a woman Uh because i am one right i think that women are kind of naturally wired to wear a lot of multiple hats Mm -hmm. and i'm not saying that men aren't Mm -hmm. but you know just looking at myself right like i am A daughter Mm -hmm. I am a wife I am a mother I am a business owner Mm -hmm. Um, you know I wear a lot of different hats that I have to interchange like throughout the day and I think that just to your your previous point that we are kind of taught that like you take all of this on and you do it all on your own like that's the only way to make this happen Um, and I honestly I just don't think that that's True. And so it was very important for me to come alongside other women that, you know, had these aspirations and very ambitious and have these goals. And it's just like, I love the drive and the vision that you have. Let's make that happen using the resources that are around you. Like raising your hand and saying, hey, I need support here, here, and here. It doesn't make you weak. Yeah. It actually makes you stronger because you have like the resources in, you know, that kind of gives you the fortitude to be able to do more. Like it increases your capacity yeah. to do all the things that you want to do instead of like completely exhausting and depleting yourself mm-hmm. um, while you're trying to be superwoman.
0: Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. really good. That's really good. So you, you have your hands in a lot of, in a lot of, Uh, different endeavors. Um, Another one that you do is the uh, Boss Talk podcast, but it Mm -hmm. didn't exactly start off as a podcast. So tell us Mm -hmm. kind of the origins of it and then the transition to the podcast format.
1: Yeah. So um, I'm an introverted person, Mm -hmm. believe it or not. (laughs) And so, but as A business owner, right? Networking is essential to to growing your business, to be connected with other resources. You know, it's really about who you know, Mm -hmm. right? To get things done. So networking is very important. And so I found that um, what I call kind of like traditional networking kind of left me feeling lacking. Like, so like going and maybe listening to, you know, 20 or 30 people give like a 30 or 60 second commercial about what they do or, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe having somebody get up and give like a presentation about Tupperware Mm -hmm. and it's like, great. I know a lot more about this product now, but that's not helping me with like my marketing struggle when I go back to my office or, you know, me feeling like I'm not as visible, you know, you know, in the marketplace as I need to, or like how am I going to increase like my client acquisitions? Like that's the stuff that I'm dealing with right now. Mm -hmm. Like, this is not helping me. And so like, I knew that I wanted to do networking a little bit differently. And so I was like, well, I don't see out here what I want. So let me create it. Mm. And so Bob actually started as a monthly networking event yeah. where I would bring women um, together here in the Valley. And I would uh, ask like, one woman to if I could interview her during that time. Yeah. And so we would start off. And um, one of the things like I loved about it is instead of like coming and it's like, oh hey, I'm Lavisa. This is why everything is so amazing with my business. This is why you should work with me. It was like, let's stop the posturing and actually come here and let's get real about what you might be struggling with. And so When we would do introductions, it was like, tell us your name, you know, tell us, you know, who it is you serve so we can kind of know like, oh, this is somebody I should like send your way. And it was just like, and then tell us what you need right now. Mm -hmm. And at first people were like, tell you what I need. We're like, what do you mean? I'm like, what do you need? Like, what do you need in your business? What do you, as the business owner, like, what do you need? So people would share like, oh, like I need a new laptop or I need a social media person or I need this. And what started happening is like, oh. Well, I actually do that. And so then they actually could have wow. like um, a much more um, connected, you know, conversation, yeah. right? Because you're not trying to come there with some kind of front, like, hey, I have everything going on. It's perfect. Yeah. And I'm like trying to find clients. It's like, I'm a business owner. I'm going to keep it real. Let you guys kind of peek behind the curtain about what's going on. Because my hope was that either somebody in the audience was the answer to that need or was connected to it, Right. But the only way that that needed to be fulfilled is by us talking about it. Yeah. So, like that's how we would start the introductions, and then we would, um, I would do like the the interview with the the business owner, and then um, what I liked about it is that the audience could ask questions as well. Wow. So, you know, about her journey, those kind of things, and those are the kind of things we talked about, like her failures, mm-hmm. you know, the lessons that she learned from like her hard times in business. Because I think that too often we are focused on like the highlights of stuff we see on social media, like, Mm -hmm. oh, you've got this book deal or you're on this TED Talk stage or whatever, but nobody's talking about the fact that like your book proposal got rejected 17 times Mm -hmm. or that you have applied to be a TEDx speaker, you know, 10 times and every single time they're like, "Mm, no, pass. We don't, you know, we don't want you or the topic is not good enough or whatever. But those are the kind of things we started talking about. And it was just like, they were very resonant because it's like, oh, well, I see you on social, but now I'm sitting here listening to you. Like you're having the same struggles that I have. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of one of those things, like if she can do it, then I can do it. So yeah. you were finding like motivation and inspiration, your needs were getting met. And so, um, but people kept describing it. they were like, well, okay, this is not like a typical networking thing. They were like, it's like a podcast with like an audience. I'm like, but it's not though. Mm-hmm. It's a networking event. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, okay, right. But like they kept describing it that way. And then COVID hit. Uh-huh. And so we weren't able to meet in person the way that we had been for the first couple of years. Um, But I knew that the conversations were still very needed and still very important. And so then that's when we moved into the more traditional podcast format.
0: Okay. Wow. So do you think, how has, how do you think it's changed um, with the new medium? Do you, obviously it's not the networking event that it was before, but what are kind of the what are the, the cool things that you've seen kind of evolve out of Boss Talk in the change format?
1: <laughs> yeah, um, I would say the reach mm-hmm. has been greater, right? Because the way that it initially kicked off, unless you lived like in the East Valley of Phoenix, mm-hmm. you never could experience Boss Talk before, yeah. where now that it's a podcast, you know, we have listeners really from all over the world. Yeah. Um, so the reach has increased. So those struggles and those lessons and like those really raw moments that like we are having, it's not just to like, you know, like these 20 women that are here in the East Valley. It's like anybody can listen. Um, And I would say that there are actually like some men that are like faithful listeners and very vocal about listening to boss talk right even though it's not necessarily geared towards them like Mm -hmm. they love it because they love hearing the perspective and they love hearing like the honest dialogue that we have so those are I would say some of the benefits of you know moving from an in-person you know kind of a situation to taking it into a more traditional podcast kind of a format
0: yeah I was I'll even say after reading after reading the book you know, there's like you get into a groove reading, and then uh, once a while, you kind of get into your affirmation mode, and it's like, boss up, girl. And I'm like, oh, okay, still applies to me. I just got to reverse some things in my brain. <laughs> <laughs> right. But all of the things yes. that you teaching, just for every, you know, for the men that are watching this interview, think are tuning out already, like, oh, this ain't for me. No, there's some really good lessons for everybody. It's not just for women. Um, and so, I, I, that's one of the beauties. I love, I love podcasting. You know, I've been a part of, podcast, produce podcasts. And so I always say, you're letting people in on a conversation they would otherwise not be allowed. Yeah,
1: they'd never Um, hear.
0: Yeah, it's beautiful to see that kind of manifest itself in this boss talk event that was once regional now has a much more national, probably even international reach for for people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So now we're going to pivot to the book. And so we're gonna start here with all the things that you have going on. Why was it important for you? to now put the content that you do in so many other places and put it in a book form?
1: Well, so it didn't start off with the book per se. Mm -hmm. It actually started off with the boss manifesto, which is in the first chapter. And um, honestly, (laughs) I was inspired to write that manifesto because being on social media, Um, And we kind of talked about it earlier about like, you know, this praise for this hustle culture that's out there, like work, Mm -hmm. work, 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 work. And if you're not hustling, somehow you're not a business owner or you're not a legit business owner or, you know, whatever the case may be. And I remembered seeing um, a colleague of mine post this picture of a coffee pot that Mm -hmm. was almost empty Um, and it you know, read something to the effect of, hey, you know, at 6 a.m., I've already had like five phone calls, two of them were double booked. I'm so busy, you know, whatever. And I'm looking at this and I'm like, that's reading to me, showing me that you're exhausted yeah. right now because it's 6 a.m. and you've already gone through a whole pot of coffee. <laughs> but it was the, it was the the cheering, I think, and the praise and the comments of that. Yeah you go girl, like hustle till you die, or you can rest when you're dead. Mm -hmm. Like whatever. And I was just like, why are we celebrating this? Like not to knock like you doing business your way. Right. I mean to each his own, but why are we celebrating the fact that like somebody is like working themselves to exhaustion Mm -hmm. and literally telling them good job. You can rest when you're dead. And I was just like, I'm done with this. Mm. And so that is actually like that first line of the manifesto yeah. itself that I am done glorifying busyness. Yeah. Um, and so it really started with that. Uh, and I wrote the manifesto, I think like two years ago. And then, um, you know, I'm sure that you read, you know, about this in the book, but mm. I had a friend that, um, that passed away. Mm-hmm. And um, I talk about her in the chapter that is, you know, there is no reward for overworked woman of the year. Yeah. And I remember sitting at her funeral, just kind of um, obviously grieving because like my friend was gone, mm-hmm. but angry because, you know, during the um, the time where like family and friends can get up and, you know, say uh, some words about the person Person after person after person got up and was just like, you know what? She gave everything mm-hmm. to everybody else. She always prioritized others over herself. Yeah. She other people's needs before her own. Um, and that was just kind of like the message that was kind of shared person after person after person. And while I I understood the sentiment mm-hmm. behind what they were saying, I think every time I heard somebody utter a phrase that way it made me cringe and it kind of made me um more angry about the loss of my friend because it was just like you know what you're right like she didn't prioritize herself mm-hmm. over others and nobody else did either like yeah. they always wanted more needed more needed her to be more needed her to do more yeah. um and you know I think that that expectation and kind of herself to that pace ultimately led to her not being here yeah. um, and so it was like you know what enough is enough I can't continue to like kind of idly sit by while I am literally watching women work themselves into a grave
0: mm-hmm.
1: Wow! and so I my editor was actually at that funeral she had flown in from Texas mm-hmm. um, because she was with this person as well and uh, we met and I said I'm ready to get this out and she said okay so we set up our time and we met and we uh sketched out the outline for the book and um what my writing timeline needed to be Mm -hmm. and I started writing
0: wow so there's there's quite a few themes that are prevalent throughout the whole book but there's a a particular Mm -hmm. word that kept coming up that really caught my attention and that was over-functioning um, mm-hmm. came up quite a bit and so you you kind of define that as doing more than what is necessary more than is appropriate and more than is healthy mm-hmm. um, and I just through the lens of my own experience especially during the pandemic when everything was done from home and the, the boundaries blur between what what is uh, work hours what is home hours um, and as a person that I would definitely describe myself as over-functioning you, you have it ingrained in your mind to do more than what's asked of you. Um, and mm-hmm. so when you take down the barriers of work at home, that becomes a whole lot easier to do and a, and a lot more normal. So what do you think are the keys um, to figuring out if you are an over person?
1: Yeah, I think that I outline like some of those... Um... Like, hey, if you're doing this or feeling this or whatever, like you might be an Uh overfunctioner. So I would uh, I would take a look at those and kind of see, like, do those things um, feel resonant to like how you're feeling and how you're living right now? And if it does acknowledge that, like, oh, this might be something that I am doing routinely that is actually harming me. And then I think that after you acknowledge that, then it's just like, what? can I do to maybe put some boundaries in place to start shifting away from that behavior Mm -hmm. and taking on, I think, a healthier um, behavior for yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, You and those around you kind of have to unlearn and relearn, you know, some things about, you know, expectations, you know, things like that, you know, realistic, (laughs) you know, capacities and things like that. for you to be able to, I think, like be in recovery from overfunctioning because it's so easy to do. Like, um, even just a few months ago, like my, um, my husband was going away on a men's retreat and his best friend was coming in and I had had this dream that they had gone to the school to like, uh, take our, our son to lunch, like before they left to Mm -hmm. go to the mountaintop. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, They were both like, oh, it's a great idea. We should do that. And I'm like, cool. And I immediately go into like, well, let me like reach out to the teacher and like give her a heads up so I can get him signed out and like I can go to the school. And I was like, wait a second. (laughs) And I remember responding to them. I said, you know what? I said, you both are fathers and very capable people. I was like, if this is something you want to move forward with, I have full confidence uh-huh. that between the two of you you can figure out how to go to that school communicate with that teacher and sign your son and godson out of school for lunch I don't need to do that yeah. I don't need to take that on I don't need to be the one to facilitate that and it's like that's where it's just like oh I recognize that overfunctioning in myself yeah. and it's just like mm, that's that's not for me to do yeah. So I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to take that on because they didn't ask me to do that. They didn't right. say, hey, LaVisa, well, can you like make these arrangements? It was just like, okay, like, let me jump into like do it mode yeah. and like take care of it because if I don't take care of it, it's not going to get taken care of or it's not going to get taken care of right. And it's just like, who taught us that? Yeah. So we have to unlearn that and relearn how to actually live life, you know, with our life partners and those that are around us in a way that's just like nobody's asking you to take this stuff on like why why are you doing this yeah stop
0: yeah that i mean the another quote from the book that came to mind is that you can do anything but you can't do everything yeah um and that's something that i i literally will sometimes be in meetings and somebody will ask for thoughts on something and i have to think do i really have something to say right now on this do i need to I'm good. We're good on this. I don't think mm-hmm. I need to engage in that. Um, yeah. another thing you talked about in the book, and you talked about some BS, and that is boss <laughs> shame. <laughs>
1: yes, <laughs> BS. Yes. So as
0: a solopreneur, as a person who's also in leadership in some other places as well, that is um boss shame is very real. You don't want to be seen mm-hmm. as vulnerable. You don't want to be seen as needing help. You want to be—you want to be Superman for for your team, mm-hmm. for your whether it's yourself or your team. You want to be Superman. Um, what does it? What 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 do you think keeps people the most from getting the help that they need? You talk about this in the book, but if there's either one or two examples, what do you think are the two things or a couple things that keep people from getting the help that they need? Pride. Mm.
1: Pride right mm-hmm. you, you you said it right mm-hmm. especially as business owners mm-hmm. like you're supposed to know yeah. everything or at least that's what we tell ourselves yeah. right like i'm the boss i should know how to make this decision or to do this to get the outcome that i, I that i should just know and it's just like again who 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 told you that mm-hmm. right like most business owners are good at doing the thing that brings money into the business mm-hmm. It does not mean that because you're a business owner that you're automatically in an amazing administrative, yeah. you know, person or a marketer or a salesperson or mm-hmm. like any of these other things, but we we think that we're supposed to, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm the boss, I should know how to do this and this and this and this and this. And I think that, you know, we talked about earlier, like how I used to start, you know, those in-person boss talks. Like, what do you need, right? Like to put our hand up and say, well, I need help with this, this or this, or I'm struggling with this. It does put us in a very vulnerable state, right? Because that's typically not how you approach people And invite them to come work with you by saying, hey, here are my problems that I'm dealing with. Like, you should come work with me anyway. But, you know, if we're not willing to kind of get over ourselves and get out of our own way, we spend a lot of time stuck in those places Mm -hmm. where, like, we need help or we need some support. Um, You might just need, like, a different point of view to, like, look at a situation, right? So that, you know, you can look at it. Um, through a different lens and like, oh, okay, I hadn't thought about it that way. This is how I can actually, you know, bring the solution, you know, to the table. Um, but I think that pride like mm-hmm. keeps a lot of us stuck um, because we don't want to show up as like less than um, who we think that we're supposed to present ourselves as in the marketplace.
0: Yeah. And that I think that pride also comes into play you talked about it a little bit earlier in the conversation. Of we think that the results are on the other side of this work. We assume that we see this image of a, of a hustler and a grinder, and we assume that if we do these things and the success, whatever the end result we want is on the other side of that. But I think what your book does a good good a good thing a good lesson in is sacrificing yourself is not the best business practice <laughs> to be moving forward with.
1: No, not at all, because um, you are not replaceable. Yeah. You're not replaceable, right? Like, even talking about, like, my um, burnout, you know, scenario um, in corporate and thinking about, like, the time that it took for me to rebound, Mm -hmm. you know, from that, like, I'll never get that time back. I'll never get that time back. I'll never get... um, that you know, that time that I was just like in complete like mental and physical chaos, like I'll never get those moments back. Mm-hmm. And it's just like when I look at the grand scheme of things, I was like, okay, yeah, the money was really good, but was it was it worth it? Yeah. Was it worth me having to take, you know, short term or the doctor putting me on short term disability mm-hmm. and eventually walking away from this job that I loved anyway, yeah. right? Like. Mm-mm. No, like I'm way more valuable than any job, mm-hmm. any business, any kind of opportunity that comes up. Um, which is why, you know, I, I say that to, to truly fulfill the vision, you've got to, you know, also take care of the visionary. Like, if you're not okay, yeah. so what that this, this, and this was a success? Like, are you going to be able to enjoy it? Yeah. Are you even going to be here? Yeah. Yeah. It's I, I don't think that the the self-sacrifice is worth it. Yeah, I, yeah
0: I, I love how you have really brought a lot of language to a lot of the things I think that people feel and aren't secure enough to really talk about. You you bring some really mm-hmm. good language to that. And you also kind of redefine terms. And one of them was boss um, in your book. You break mm-hmm. that down as battling overwhelm with systems of self-care. So for people at home, what is a system of self-care?
1: Well, it's systems and self-care.
0: So systems and self-care, yeah.
1: Yes. So systems, um, whether you're a business owner, you know, stay-at-home mom, corporate leader, you use systems every day. Mm-hmm. And really all a system is is the steps that you take to get from point A to point B, mm-hmm. right? Like I use the morning routine with like our son, you know, as an example, that's a system. He gets up at the same time every day. He has, you know, the same stuff he's got to do. Like he's got his bathroom stuff. He's got to, you know, do his hair and brush his teeth and have his breakfast and pack his backpack, get his uniform on, Mm -hmm. get it, you know, into the car for us to get him to school on time. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing every single day. And it's like, you know, looking at those systems, especially as a business owner, you know, figuring out how you can make them more efficient, Um, use automation, you know, technology, other people, resources, right, to to get those things done, to fire yourself from things that you shouldn't be doing, and to make the work easier. Because whoever told us that the work has to be hard, like, they lied to us, right? Like, I want abundance and ease. (laughs) Like, I'm not trying to work hard. I'm trying to work with excellence uh-huh. but i'm also trying to enjoy my life
0: yeah i think th- yeah it's funny that you say you want you want uh with ease and so i remember growing up mm-hmm. a big conflict that me and my parents have is that they didn't see me work hard mm-hmm. like my brain is all about like i want to be as efficient as i can with my time and to and to get things done as easy as possible as well as possible um mm-hmm. and so it's funny and i've even been in corporate environments where it's like Malcolm, it doesn't really look like you're working that hard. It's like, do you want to hear that the answer is I'm not really working <laughs> <laughs> because I found the easy But if way you to have an it.
1: excellent output, <laughs> is my heart is is me working harder yeah. necessary? Yeah. Right? Like I remember being like in high school um, in like a chemistry class, and like I remember. I think I was like a sophomore and I'm in this class with like these seniors and they're kind of looking at me kind of crazy. And they're like, why are you in here? This is upper class. And I'm like, well, I'm as smart as you. So that's why I'm here. Um, and I remember getting like our first chemistry test back and I failed it. And they're like, so you're smart, huh? <laughs> that That test doesn't show that is true. And I'm like, how is this even possible? Right. And so like we're going through the answers in class and I'm like, like, oh, like, I got that answer right. So I remember, like, putting a note. I was like, I need to, like, talk to the teacher afterwards to at least, like, maybe I can get, like, my 53% up to, like, a 57 Like, I don't know, right? Like, <laughs> this is still an F, but maybe it's, like, a higher F, uh-huh. and that might help me in the long run. But then it's like we go to the next one, and I'm like, wait, like, I got my answer right on that. And, they're, like, and I'm like, well, wait a darn second. Like, what is up? And I remember talking to him after. He's like, you didn't show me your work. Mm. And I'm like, huh? He was like, you didn't, you know, reduce this formula and do this. And da, da, da. I said, but I didn't need to. Like, I know
0: mm-hmm.
1: what putting this element and this element together is. And I yeah. know that it's this new element. So that's what I wrote. I was like, the answer is right. He's like, but I didn't see how you got there. I didn't see the work that you put into it. I said, but my my, my brain did it. Uh, like, I It seemed extra and unnecessary yeah. for me to write all this stuff out if my brain just knew how to put the stuff together and he was like so he gave me only partial credit wow for having every single right answer so i think i negotiated back up to like maybe like a high c on that Mm -hmm. test right and so he was like from now on you need to show your work and i'm like well i mean in my opinion that's kind of dumb but i mean i'm trying to like ace this class so i'm like fine Mm -hmm. i'll do it but it's just like why like why do we need to do this extra why do we need to be busy for busy's sake Why do I need to have, you know, three appointments scheduled at the same time so that I can say like, oh, I was so busy that like somebody else had to have this meeting and I had to do this because all this. And it's just like, that's insane. Mm -hmm. That's insane. Like, let me have a meeting, you know, give them the proposal that I have to make the income, Mm -hmm. the revenue that I want. For the rest of the week or for the rest of the month. Like, I don't need to have 75 sales calls. Like, I need to have two and I need them to pay me what I feel like my work is worth so that I can enjoy time with my son and take vacation and, you know, not work on the weekends and clock out at two o'clock in the afternoon and not feel guilty about it. And that's what I, I truly mean. Like, I work with excellence, but I am expecting ease and abundance in doing it. Mm. Ease and abundance. I am not going to kill myself doing this work. I refuse.
0: I'm, I'm have to take that and put it on a t-shirt. Ease and abundance. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Feel free. Just send me send me your royalty.
0: <laughs> so the last thing we'll talk about um, from the book is, I think. Self-care is one of those buzzwords. It's everywhere. It seems like mm-hmm. it's everywhere, especially since the pandemic. Everybody's talking about self-care, self-care, self-care. But you talk about and we, should. we should. We should. But you we talked care. about redefining self-care and you kind of used this example mm-hmm. of one of your clients who was getting a massage um every week and was not enjoying the massage and it wasn't she she wasn't feeling less stressed, she was feeling more stressed. Um and so you took her through a journey of kind of understanding what her love languages are. Um, And finding, Mm -hmm. hey, physical touch is really low for you. So that's why this isn't recharging. And her response was, Mm -hmm. oh, but that's what everybody else is doing. So I thought that's what I was supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you kind of talk through your journey of finding your you kind of broke down your morning routine and how that gets you ready for the for the day and one of your rhythms of self care. So, what do you think are the keys to finding those rhythms and routines that will work for you and not just doing what Instagram tells you is self care? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, so it it starts, Malcolm, with defining what self care means and looks like for you. Mm-hmm. Because um, I think that you 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 hit the nail on the head, right? It's it's not what they tell you it mm-hmm. is, um, it's it's what it needs to be for you, right? Like what's going to work for you. Is not going to work for me like what's going to work for your wife is not going to work for you yeah. what's going to work for my son is not going to work you know it's an all an individual thing um and you know you brought up the love language like i think that we're so conditioned to look at love languages like with our partner yeah um you know that we're doing life with but we don't look at how we're able or should be able to be fluent with that love language like with ourselves right and how we take care of ourselves and so I think that you know one you need to know what your love languages are you need to be fluent in them um, and not be dependent on somebody else to speak those to you right which is a lesson in and of itself um you need to speak those to yourself every day and incorporate those into just the way you live your life and the way that you run your business. Um, And then define, and it starts with, I think, defining like what does self-care actually mean to you? And then make it a non-negotiable for you to get more of that every single day. Like one of the examples that I share in the book is like Okay, let's say you are a words of affirmation mm-hmm. um, person. It's really high. It's a you know one of your dominant love languages. So we would work together to put like a um, like a, a solid testimonial um, system in place. So like when you're done working with a particular client, you offboard in them away for us to. Always and consistently reach out and ask for testimonial feedback. Like, how is it working with Malcolm? How is it working with La Vista? Um, Because it does a couple of things, right? It makes your presence in the marketplace consistent Mm -hmm. because you have a system set up for it. So you're showing up in the marketplace the way that you want to. The same way every single time it's not haphazard or like when you remember to like reach out and you know get this the other thing that it does as that business owner that has like a dominant words of affirmation love language you start getting these little love letters essentially right from yeah. your clients and those that you've worked with. And what that's going to do is that's going to charge your battery as the business owner, but that's like baked into your process. Yeah. Right. Because the other thing that I want to emphasize is that I don't believe that like self care is like this additional thing to add yeah. to your to do. Right. Because if it, if you look at it that way, it's going to stress you out mm-hmm. even more like, oh, I didn't self-care today, right? And <laughs> it's like, okay, right? Or you look at it very transactional, like, oh, well, I self-cared on Monday. Mm. I, I don't I don't need to do that. And it's like, mm, no, you might not do it the way you want to do it every day. And yeah. you've got to extend grace to yourself as you go through and walk out this journey on a daily basis, but it's got to be intentional. Um, and you, you've got to do it daily in ways that is just it's the way that you live your life it's your lifestyle it's not this thing that you're checking off of a to-do list to to say okay i, I did it i i self-cared today <laughs> like that's 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 not really the way that it
0: works yeah and in, in, i don't i don't think if you do i mean you, obviously you know this but i don't think if you do self-care that way it's going to help you avoid burnout you will still eventually It may stave it off for a little bit but if it's not a regular rhythm a regular part of your of your life um i think that was one of the adjustments i had to make um like i had to actually you know having a job um at a church that means the weekends aren't really the weekend weekend is really when Mm -hmm. a lot of a lot of my other work um so i had to pick a day my my pastor told me pick a day during the week where you just don't do anything it doesn't matter what it is communicate to be like let me know so i'll know what it is but <laughs> pick a day stick to it don't have any meetings don't just focus and recharge um, on that day um mm-hmm. and that was the hardest thing in the world for me to do because i am an overfunctioner. if i'm not doing something i'm thinking oh i could be do- i should be doing this i could be doing this um shooting on yourself right uh, but then i had to go even once i got that i then had to go beyond that and then every day how am i doing that whether it's working mm-hmm. out every day, whether it's getting up and walking around the, the apartment complex or playing with, just spending time with my dog that he desperately wants usually at moments when I cannot get it to him. <laughs> yeah. Comes that attention.
1: Yeah. And so, you know, Malcolm, in the book, I talk about this spa method mm-hmm. that I came up with, like for my clients, right. That, you know, you might be so far removed, right. From the things that like I call like, that are on your joy list. Like what are those yeah. things that you actually enjoy? Um, because again, kind of going back to like love languages, I think that as you, you know, get older and you start um, getting into relationships that are more significant and, you know, building careers and businesses and things like that, if you're not careful, like you start losing little pieces of yourself, right? And so you're like, oh, you know, in my 20s, I used to like sit for hours and like do crossword puzzles at the Barnes and Noble. And it's like now in your 40s, you can't remember the last time you even looked at a crossword puzzle or stepped into a Barnes and Noble. Mm-hmm. And so it's just like, you have to um, fight, I think, to hold on to those pieces of yourself yeah. that bring you joy and be able to get those in. And so one of the ways um that I I tell clients to like start getting some of those things in if they're not um, used to it is having a spa day, mm-hmm. right? So the S doing something smart, doing something that challenges your mind, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever that that might be. You might be learning Italian or you might be listening to a podcast or a Ted talk or something, something that simulates your mind mm-hmm. and like is challenging you. Um, the P is doing something physical, right? Mm-hmm. So it might be going and taking a walk around the neighborhood or taking that yoga class or, um, going for a hike on, you know, uh, a Saturday or something like that. And then the third, um, is a doing something affirming. So doing yeah. something that affirms you, um, and um just kind of like speaks like life into you and it's like if you can start incorporating those things into like your daily routine like i think that you start like making deposits into like your own kind of love bank and like then you're not living and working from a place of depletion and it's like it gets easier to incorporate things into your lifestyle it gets easier to lean into and own like your boundaries around your time and about how you're going to spend your time and things that you'll you're going to do it gets easier to identify like oh i'm over functioning mm-hmm. in this moment this is how i course correct right yeah. you know here right now and not beat yourself up about you know hey i didn't do this well for myself in the past mm-hmm. do it well now yeah. right um so Yeah. Like that, that's actually a method, um, that I, uh, that I suggest, like, if you're kind of getting started and you're like, I don't even know what to do, like do that, do those things, like explore, um, and get reconnected with yourself. That's the only way you're going to be able to know how to fully take
0: care of yourself and recharge your battery. That's really good. Um, so before we leave, uh, we've got the book, we got the podcast, we got 31 Marketplace. What is next? I know you're really focused probably on the book right now, but what else can we yeah. look at um, from La Vista Jones?
1: Oh, well, that's a really good question. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would dare to say that the next book project is already ruminating okay. in my mind right now. So you know not really sure when that's going to hit the marketplace, but it's noodling. Okay. Um, it's noodling in there. Um, I think in the next year to come, right, you know, with the focus of the book, you know, really just kind of leveraging leveraging the momentum yeah. around the book. You know, we. I'm just fresh back from Ohio, from mm-hmm. um, the, the book tour sites that we had there. Mm-hmm. We've got some more um, cities that we're going to into like the new year. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are some retreats that are coming up. Um, that will help incorporate, you know, systems and self-care actually living, um, this boss shift, like actually embracing yeah. it, um, as business owners, and, um, you know, just some unique ways to, to work with me and my team, um, coming up in the new year. Awesome.
0: So, Well, how can people yeah. connect with you?
1: Um, if they're looking for the book itself, they can always go to embracingtheshift.com. Mm-hmm. Um, it gives like the full overview of the book. You can order it um, and the companion, like, coaching journal that goes along with it, um, as well as like the other resources that are actually outlined in the book itself um, are out there. Um, but if you're wanting to just kind of connect with me and kind of see what I am doing in the marketplace, you can find me at LaVista Jones, kind of everywhere. You can go mm-hmm. to LaVistaJones.com on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, LaVista Jones. I'm pretty easy to find.
0: Well, thank you so much, LaVista. Everyone, man, woman, whoever you are, you will want to buy this book, <laughs> The Boss Shift. Go to embracingtheshift.com yep. embracing to learn more about the book and find places to get it. Thank you so much, LaVista, for joining us.
1: Thank you for having me, Malcolm.
0: Again, thank you so much, LaVista, for taking the time to be a part of our show this week. And for everyone out there, The Boss Shift book, whether you're a man or woman, entrepreneur, or whatever, this book can help you find healthy rhythms of self-care that will help sustain you no matter what field of work you're in. So make sure you get that book, The Boss Shift by LaLista Jones. Real quick before we leave, make sure you check out our website, urbanartsdigital.com, where you can find more about this and other shows. Uh, We have our video exclusively on the website, but you can listen to the audio of this show on Apple and wherever else you listen to podcasts. And you can follow me on social media at Malcolm.media on Twitter and on Instagram. Thank you guys so much for joining us this week. We'll see you all next time.